0: Hey everybody, this is Johnny Sanquist
1: and Tori Hoppy.
0: And this is an all-new Taco Tech. Today we are delighted to have special guest Rich Cancrow, the founder and CEO of Advisor Engine, joining us. Rich, thank you for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure to, to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me on,
2: Johnny and Tori. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, so we've got a full deck of things that we want to talk with you about. Uh, but starting off with the new product announcement that you guys had recently, you, uh, you came out and, and you said that, hey, we've updated Juncture CRM. It's now Advisor Engine CRM. Um, And it it looks like, you know, I watched the video that you guys released. I read the blog and everything. looks like a lot of thought went into this update. You've been working at it for a while. Um, And what piqued my interest was what you guys said about how you leaned on user feedback to build this next-gen software. So start us off there. Just take us through that process and how you guys really got deep into interacting with your actual users to help you
2: build out this big update. Yeah, pleasure to talk about it and very excited to talk about it. And if I go back to this a few, about a month ago, it's probably maybe the most proudest moment of, of my, the journey here since I'm founding Advisor Engine was we're on, of course, we're on a video call and you have all the talking heads uh, there and the, the, the team that uh, built and designed and deployed, tested uh, the software was there. And they were so, this this the day before the release, they were so proud of the work that they did and to see you know the camaraderie with the team and how they've interacted over the past 18 months of building this out and to see the culmination the day before and they were so excited about it uh was a great 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 moment to see that and the the client feedback uh the industry partner feedback has been fantastic uh we've been really excited and proud to show it off uh, to various consultants in the space and partners in the space um and it's been fantastic you know the journey. Uh, if we think about the journey, we're going to go back four years ago, um, because when we think about creating experience, it, it, we really you have to kind of take a step back and say, what does that mean? So it's access the data. There's how you use the data, the experience, the data, the workflows, but also the infrastructure and architecture behind below that has to be strong, resilient, secure, fast, so you can enable those experiences. So going back to when we acquired Juncture about four years ago, and we knew it was a great product and it was built by an advisor for advisors and a lot of really great workflows to support advisors caring for their clients in very specific ways. Um, But we wanted to transform it. So we actually started first with the infrastructure, which is kind of challenging because when you start with the infrastructure piece, you have to think of a house. It's kind of like working on the basement and making sure the first floor and the second floor and the attic and the windows, nothing happens to it, right? So we spent over a year on the infrastructure, upgrading all the infrastructure of it. So think of the foundation. Then we'd said, okay, well, part of the needs right now, which we don't want to wait for full redesign. So we need to get more integrations with our key, key partners in this space. And, and what that really meant is three things. One was if we had existing uh, integration, we wanted to uplift it where it made sense. So, so for example, MoneyEyed Pro. Um, with Black Diamond, we upgrade our interface and monetize our integr- integrations. And other times, the second time is going deeper. So we, great partnership with Orion, for example, went deeper with that with that partnership as well, as far as data and workflows integrations. And then we created new ones. So for example, we were the first CRM to integrate with Schwab's new digital account opening uh, uh, service. And we we're the first to do that in the CRM side and we added in Microsoft uh, 365 and other integrations like that. Not only do we integrate from a data perspective, but when we get data and exchange data with it, we actually create workflows. So we did that along the way and we're continuing to be an open architecture and we'll continue to add more integrations uh, as we go along. Uh, but when it came to the experience, so that kind of sets the foundation, right? So doing the integration means more data from different providers in there. Doing the, the infrastructure meant that it was stable, fast and, um, and secure environment. Then the third is now the actual user experience in terms of how they use the software and get access to the software. And we, uh, under Pat Arnold, our head of product, um, and and his head of design, uh, Ralph um, you know, they went on a journey for 18 months in their teams to really um, interview clients. But the first step in all that was we had thousands of points of feedback, literally. And this is um, actually right before the pandemic, because we actually have a photo of it, of people being in person and literally a 40 foot wide wall with all of the data points of all the feedback we had. There's thousands of pieces of little pieces of paper, all the feedback got categorized. We analyzed it. We also looked at the software statistics, right? To see what's the most commonly used area of the software and prioritize those areas first to reinvent. And so highest utilization, all that feedback. And from there, created designs. And then did a whole feedback loop with our our client base. So that meant in person, well, not in person digitally, I should say. So getting personalized uh, piece and all sorts of roles, Right? So within an office, there's all sorts of roles. There could be obviously the principal, of the firm, an advisor, there could be an ops person, COO, CFO. So all different types of roles and made sure that we were capturing the feedback from those roles. And then went through iteration after iteration after iteration of getting that feedback. So getting that feedback, updating the design, going back again to all those roles, getting that feedback and coming back and iterating again. And then we actually deployed the first version of this last spring, but we didn't tell anyone other than our clients. And we did that. We want to now get real. So you go from prototyping and designing and and, and testing to now really putting it into production, getting real use of it. And then from there, we actually took another six months of getting feedback. And every month we did software releases to continue to upgrade it. And then the big, the final big bang was in December um, where um, the feedback has just been nothing short of phenomenal from our client base in terms of, addressing all those thousands of pieces of feedback in terms of, which was just generally circled around, give me access to data. Let me configure my environment the way I want to see that data and let me navigate the way I want to navigate. So creating a personalization of your experience with the data, exposing more data and how you get through the workflows was key to that. And that's, I think the teams hit a home run there. Yeah. And I want to hit on
1: that point that you guys, Executed flawlessly is the idea that advisor office makeups are different. There's not a lot of product out there that takes into account who works in the office. They just take into account the advi- the advisor themselves. And when you really look at the makeup of an advisor office, her office might include, like you said, an office manager, a trader, um, you know, a coordinator. Each of those people have a different role in their position, and they're more likely the ones that are logging into the CRM platform like yourself, right? So taking that consideration and going beyond the advisor, yes, it's advisor tech, but actually the advisor office, I think is so different because no one else has done it. And it's really pulling back that lens of listening to your client and say, listen, my office coordinator is the one that's actually doing all of this. And here's what he said that he needs to get his job done correctly and efficiently for our clients. So I, I give you guys kudos for taking that step further and taking into the office environment and not just the, um, the advisor itself.
2: Oh, thank you. And you know, if you think, uh, just to take a, a real big step back, more broadly, we also have our wealth platform and part of our wealth platform is also a client portal. So when we are designing software, whether it's the CRM, whether it's the wealth platform, the client portal, What we're doing there is we're looking at all the roles in the office, but then we're also thinking about how's that going to connect to their client? How's their client going to access that information? And then that adds a whole other dimension because then you have to think about, okay, certain advisors, like you're describing in their office have different roles and different ways of, of running their business and how they think about productivity. But the other dimension of it is ultimately they're creating the experience. And if you think of the CRM, it's really about the service level experience that they're getting from the CRM but then also and how they communicate with clients. So whether it's email, text, that, but then when you have a client portal as well, you, you have to configure it the same way because certain advisors want certain data elements to be real time or um, quarterly or monthly, whatever it may be certainly you know, allowing uh, different data points to be shown depending on the client segmentation. So it's really all three, you know, really it's, it's the, all the roles of the office, uh, including, you know, all the ones we just talked about. Plus, a, a, new roles that, you know, certain firms are starting to add, which is that's great to see people more oriented them on the growth side around marketing. So now you have a marketing component to it. You have an operations component to it. And as you see advisors mature and grow, they also start adding in a management layer to it. So for lack of better saying, a C-suite, right? Where there's people with the COO title and the CFO title who are going to be looking about how to manage the business versus operating the business. And so you have to think about those types of people, but then connecting all that to a client and prospect management. You said
0: something here that I think we should touch on before we move on to any other topic, which is that you've got that wealth platform as well. So we've only just talked about advisory engine CRM. You guys are obviously much more than a CRM. You know, you really have this comprehensive wealth platform. So um, just give us the snapshot, you know, the quick rundown on just how these updates that you've made to Advisor Engine CRM, how they complement, how they fit into that holistic platform that you guys offer for advisors?
2: Uh, For sure. So where where the the, the vision is, is that the experiences that we just created on the CRM, we're going to bring that also to our Wealth platform. And we've actually have quietly started doing that already uh, over the past six months. So as we've been creating or updating features on the Wealth platform, we've been bringing all that, those design elements and thinking into the wealth platform as well. So ultimately, uh, the experiences will be identical in terms of look, feel. If something looks like something, you know, it's a it's a you know a blue dot. It will always do the same thing, no matter where you are as a professional on, on the website, and regardless of which product you use, uh, whether you're using a CRM, whether you're using a fee billing engine, whether you're using performance, whether you're using our our B two B robo uh, tool. Um, if you're using any of those pieces, it'll all look and feel the same over time. And that's where we're going. And then ultimately uh, the sharing of data. So to the extent that a client of ours uses um, you know, various features, that access to data will be ubiquitous, right? So whether you are you need portfolio management data, whether you need serum data, you shouldn't care what database it's in. You shouldn't even think about it, right? As a user, you should be it should be ubiquitous, right? You shouldn't care about... It's in this database or that database, or it's in this workflow. It's all exp- exposed to you uh, based upon you know what services and products you're using.
1: Yeah, it's sticky with that. Um, we've all been in this industry for quite a while, and we love to see it. But we also want to get like outside of our bubble, and we love to ask, um, you know, what is your favorite tech trend out there right now? Like, there's so much going on in the in the space, and we kind of like to just figure out what other ones other people are getting excited for.
2: Well, you you know, I'm gonna hit this maybe a couple of ways. This is a great question and I could probably spend five hours on it, Um, but I'll I'll try to keep it to like three minutes. So the first thing is just, if you think about um, a lot of the more consumer oriented uh, uh, companies out there and the experience they've built, financial services has traditionally been behind that. And the exciting thing is, we're not catching up to it. Right. And we want to, it actually, I want to leapfrog the experience personally. I like to see a financial service leapfrog that. And I think we have that opportunity to do exactly that. Um, so, so we talked a lot about thinking think about something. Like, uh, give me a story. And this is, I think, what every platform and every financial service, every advisor should be thinking about is think about a Tesla. And I'll go back several years ago when Tesla was fairly new. And I had to go to a charity golf event. And I got paired up with the person who I never met before. And we got along nicely on the golf course. Unfortunately, I didn't do real well on our team that day, but it was a nice day and it was fun. And he said, Hey, you know, you want to ride home? Cause I'd actually taken, I live in Manhattan. I took a, uh, a ferry actually to the golf course. And I said, sure, happy to do so. So we got into Tesla and he jammed it. Like this thing went from zero to 60 in like two seconds. And he said, you just feel the power of that engine. I was like, I certainly did as I'm taking my neck off the back of the seat. I sure did. Thanks for the heads up on that one. And then as we're driving, um, and re- he's like, and that's really cool, it's like, this software updates every like two weeks, this thing, car keeps getting better and better. I don't have to get a new car, it just gets better on its own. And the passion he had for his Tesla is exactly what, what I think you all should be striving for. So when I think about an advisor serving their clients and thinking about their brand and experience that they deliver, it's all about the data and experience. And then that's the same thing I think that we want to be del- delivering to our advisors and to their clients is experience. And that's what I think the date myself a little bit, if you go back into the, when the internet was started to exp- you know, be exposed in the nineties um, the dream of that, which was basically creating these amazing experiences is now here, right? So whether it's um, through web, through, through, through apps, whether it's through now, you know, VR and, you know, it's been very interesting personally where blockchain goes and how that will um, come into our industry. I think it's coming so far more on the, on the private transaction side, and I think it will revolutionize whether it's mortgages and anything on the lending side, whether it's going to be private transactions and private companies. We know that there's more private companies being created than public companies Um, and they're remaining that way. So access to that would be interesting. And that's gonna be, I think, supported through uh, blockchain. And then it's gonna be interesting what happens to the custody side, because at the end of the day, when you think about wealth management, it it all starts with a custodian. And seeing where blockchain goes in there, and I think we're nascent there because you have to prove the security of it. You have to prove how uh, fast it will respond when there's a trillion of assets in it versus like a single transaction that that may be happening in today versus, but if you do the custodian has a trillion of assets, two trillion of assets, six trillion of assets, whatever it may be, that's a ton of data that gets processed every day. So will the blockchain ultimately be proven to, to uh, which I suspect it will be proven to actually support that. So, that? so when I think about that, I think blockchain can have a, a huge, a tremendous, a huge and tremendous, I just said those two words together, um, uh, impact and where we're going. But I think that you know, we're several years away to see the true impact. And what they'll have
0: do you think that there is there a particular custodian front of your mind um, who maybe is positioned better or you're already seeing uh kind of tapping into becoming a leader um in utilizing
2: blockchain i think the entire industry is in the first inning uh whether it's um one of the larger custodians that we're thinking about a newer custodian um, or you know large financial institutions that, that have their own you know they do it themselves i think it's just just starting I, I we certainly have seen on the private transaction side which is more prescriptive and specific and by the way probably the biggest pain point right if you, i don't know if you ever you know bought into any type of private fund it is it is a nightmare in terms of the amount of paperwork and the paper shuffle and the mystery of it to where you're where everything is. So I think it's a natural place. And if if you've bought homes before, you know, the mortgage process is a nightmare that won't get better. And I think that's probably the areas (laughs) I see you smiling, Johnny. Um, That's, that's an area that I think will continue. It will be the first place that you will, as consumers, we'll see that first.
0: Tori, you're, you're going through a home thing right now. So Oh boy, am I! To you.
1: Yes, <laughs> that relates too well right now in my world. We're, um, you know, in the process of moving, and I will honestly say, um, being that I kind of sit in two camps, right? Like, I work at a crypto company, and then I'm also like in the financial space. Um, and going through the process of purchasing and, and selling a home, I don't want to like date myself like i've never done like a wire transfer right so like having to process these wire transfers and go to the bank and bring every piece of paper known to man including the certificate of my firstborn, to like get them to let me transfer money is like incredibly hard for me um where you know being on the crypto end of things i can just go wallet to wallet and it's seamless and they can get the it's instant and it's there so like Why can't we get these larger banks on board to do this kind of stuff, right? Uh, So it's really interesting to kind of sit in both camps with my feet in two positions and trying to blend the two worlds together. But like you said, I think there's a lot of industry um, awareness of blockchain and crypto assets and where, where it's going. But I think you're also right. We're very much in the first inning, if not even like the first pitch, right? There's a lot of people knowing that they have to come into this space, they're not comfortable with it, but they don't want to wait. They don't want to be behind because like you've mentioned um, the finance world is always two or three steps behind the real world. Um, So they know that they've got to quickly pick up Um, our generation is quickly adapting to this um, digital currency world. Um, You know, wallet to wallet transfers, we all use PayPal or Venmo. Like none of us really, transaction with typical like paper money. So us moving into the digital space with crypto assets is is a very fluid motion for for us. Um, So I think in the financial world, they've got to catch up to that because we're the next generation of investors. And for them to not be at least educated in this space, um, I think it's going to be detrimental. So like you said, I think we're in the first inning, if not the first pitch, but it's really exciting to see how fast people are picking it up and how quickly they're able, maybe not to adopt it, but at least listen to conversations.
2: Yeah. I, I would also add to that with, um, uh, you know, like we said, we're, you know, first pitch I, I like the, um, I think if I think of the, you, you have a child and like my first, if I go back my son was two, which was about four years ago. And, we we're going to go outside and look a little cold. We're going to check the weather. And I thought it was cool. I'm going to my phone and my app. And, he's, and he goes, Alexa, what's the weather? I was like, oh man, my son's cooler cool than me. Oh, it, Alexa just went off, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. probably hear in the background.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's That's I mean, state
2: today in New York. It's 57 degrees, apparently.
1: Oh, wow. You guys are hitting a heat wave. Yeah. But like you said, like our kids are even more adaptable to technology now. Like, my son could probably work an iPad better than I could at three years old. And we've, you know, we've kind of had the iPad experience and, um, you know, kids are coding so much younger now. They're, they're getting exposed to these different environments um, than when we were used to. And um, I think it's really interesting to watch that change, that evolution of technology coming in and I know for a long time, people are like, technology is bad. Kids should be outside being kids. And I totally agree with that. But also we've got to give our kids the ability to learn that technology because that's going to be their world. They're not going to be pen and paper at a job. We we've even seen it, right? Like I don't, I still write notes, but most of my stuff is digital. All Everything is on my computer. So can we imagine when our kids move into the work world, what that's going to look like? And um, if we don't give them that leg up in technology and you know, just that STEM education, um, we're doing them a disservice.
2: Certainly agree with that. I think that the the interesting thing about the pandemic, obviously a lot, a lot of really bad things uh, with the pandemic, but in terms of it fast-forwarded, I from my perspective, fast-forward a lot of the trends, right? So if you think about the local store, which unfortunately here in New York, a lot of local stores are significantly impacted. Um, but the but the but the firms that had, had more of an online presence. And did that well have survived it and gotten through it and you know so you see obviously some of the big brands like amazon Alerts just to thrive and netflix and so it's a thrive through it but that was going to happen anyhow so the, the question really gets to whether you're a financial advisor whether you're selling books here and, and across the street um how do you get more people to your website so you have to start thinking very very differently and everybody has to go from i think a uh, referral whether it's that local store here it's it's a referral business right it's my friend told me hey they have you know, a cool cool store here or a children's bookstore whatever but which is great and that will continue but at the end of the day to really grow and scale your business everyone every small business has to become great at marketing which is a very different skill set and muscle yeah and you know kind of bringing back to the the, the wealth management business I I, matter of fact, heard this recently from another client, but I I heard this you know three or four years ago at a conference where it's like, well, we got to a billion of assets, so we hired a marketing person. Now that we've got the scale, and one of the things I love to see happen, and I'm sure you guys agree, particularly Johnny, is that that needs to go to 180, right? To scale your business, you have to first think about marketing, right, and growing and doing it in a modern way. Um, And I think in terms of wealth management business, particularly independence. are just slowly kind of going down that process and doing it at the wrong point because I think they consider it a cost versus a driver. And it's going to be interesting to see because I think that the advisors that are really going to thrive in the future, which is now, are, are going to be advisors who are really oriented toward marketing and see that as a core driver of their business today and a year from now and five years from now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's an interesting um, take too. I, and I, we could probably go back to one of the first couple episodes we recorded. And I was really, not that the pandemic was great by any means of imagination. I think I've aged 40 years um, into, um, but I was really excited to see, I genuinely thought a lot of technology was going to be built because of the pandemic. And I think that that was the wrong vision to have. It actually sped up what technology we had. So my example is um, digital payment. I love my Apple Pay. Like if I can pay Apple Pay on it, I use it everywhere. And before the pandemic, it was really hard. Like not a lot of stores had it. Um, it was just this really slow rollout because they were like, "No, that's that's just a millennial thing. Like it's never going to take off." And then all of a sudden. When you couldn't pass currency back and forth, like paper money or whatever the case may be, or going online, digital payment went through the roof. I can now use Apple Pay at any restaurant, online, um, Target, you know, my, my mothership, like all of the places that you are going to. So I love that. Yes, I think the pandemic brought us some new technology, but like you said, it sped up a bunch of technology because we had to, t- in order to survive, like any e-commerce business had to do it in order to survive. And like you said, and then they use it as a marketing tool. You, you know you can use your Apple Pay or Venmo or PayPal at our at our stores. So um I think, like you said, businesses need to take on that marketing perspective because we're all on our phones 24-7. It's, it's a digital world out there, but they've also got to move into that digital payment space and be able to... Kind of take on the marketing of it and the payment side of it.
2: It's sorry. It's so funny you bring up uh, the, the Apple Pay. So I used my Amex card for my Apple Pay, and and I literally was online yesterday uh, looking at my Amex, which apparently I haven't done in a while. But the observation was it was Apple Pay, Apple Pay, Apple Pay, Apple Pay. Ninety um, percent of the transaction my Amex is through Apple Pay, which was amazing to me. And to your point, the only reason the other Amex is not it's either it's, it's online or it's going to be uh, somebody who doesn't support it, which now bothers me. If you don't support yes. support it. It it really like well, I don't feel good about you now.
1: Exactly, and that's so funny because my husband, I love him dearly, um, but he loses his wallet twenty four seven. Like he, I, I'm sure, like if I ask him right this second where his wallet is, he had no idea. Mm-hmm. So he was. I got to a point where I was like, I'm not ordering your card your cards anymore because you're just going to lose your wallet in three weeks. So your the only places you can shop is wherever they accept Apple pay. Well, for him, the list was really short. And now he's just like, I don't need a wallet. Like now we need our driver's license in our phone. Right. So it's so funny how quickly that has changed. And like you mentioned, like everything, I honestly, I don't know the last time, like I've pulled out a bank card to like swipe, um, to pay for something. So, yeah. And I, it's just an interesting Interesting change yeah. um, in behavior.
0: Yeah. it changed my behavior. It became like a preference thing for me. Like when the rollout started, I would choose to go to one store over another because I knew they had Apple Bay and I just, I wanted to use it. So it became a very quick behavior change type of environment for me to be able to have that convenience. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that we can apply to FinTech and, you know, changing Expectations and everything—you know—there's a lot we could talk about there. But uh, we've been talking a lot about the digital world. I'm going to flip over to the other side to the physical, in-person world for this next question. So, uh, Rich, you guys have have been doing an annual advisory engine conference drive uh, for a long time. I think I, the last time you did one in person, I was there. I think that was 2019. It's probably the last yes. time you had it, and uh, and it looks like it's coming back this year. So, you guys have it scheduled for this summer. So we do want to ask you, you know, tell us what to expect uh, for the great comeback of Drive and, you know, who should think about attending this event? Because I think advisors are still looking ahead at the calendar and there's a little bit of a trimmed back uh, calendar, even though events are coming back and they're looking at where they should go. So give us the, the lowdown on what Drive looks
2: like. Sure. Well, I hope you come this year again. And, uh, we, uh, we, you know, we, we postponed it two times and now we're not doing it again. We were having the conference, our clients keep asking for it. And it's going to be the second week of may it's going to be in Austin, uh, which we're excited to get some really good barbecue and some good music. Um, so we're going to be down there that would, should be a perfect time of the year in terms of weather. Uh, so, you know, just going back for a minute and then going forward. Uh, so going backwards for a minute, you know, when we went to acquire a juncture, uh, we the final decision point was actually going to the conference and so we went to the juncture conference and i am literally seeing which i don't think i've ever seen before or since other than our conference or was basically tech support and trainers onboarding engineers being hugged by the clients it was something i was like, are we? am i, am I at a financial services conference <laughs> where where am i um it was really really cool to see you know when because when people talk about you know some of the words maybe we need to use less of which is like no worries unpack it and community, but I'm going to use community now because it was, that is literally what was so exciting that clearly that community was built between our clients and um, our, our, our support team and our product team and all the people that touch our clients. And so going forward, you know, that is what I miss. I mean, I, the last conference that you were there in person, we've done a virtual one since, but you miss the energy. You can't just cannot, cannot recreate that personal energy you know, And and in this case, it's catching up with clients and learning about what's going on in their family and all the things that's happening with them, uh, but the energy. Is there. And I also get inspired because the willingness of sharing, of how our, our clients share with each other their best practices and productivity, and just brainstorm, whether it's over a cocktail or whether it's in a session, they really like to learn from each other. And so it's great for me. I, I, I literally, I'm a cloud nine when we left the conferences. I'm just so energized. So selfishly. I love that feeling. Um, And I think our clients get that same feeling. They get energized as well in terms of hearing what's going on at these different firms around the country, different sizes, different, you know, different type of firms. Um, So it's going to be in May. It's going to be in Austin. We're going to be excited about it. We're going to have another really cool announcement, maybe even two actually. Uh, We're pushing the team here. We get two exciting announcements at the conference, Um, though we may share one of them at T3 first, uh, which is the week before, also in Texas. Uh, and I always enjoy going to Joel's conference. It's always a good time. And, you know, seeing Joel in cowboy boots is always, always interesting. Um, that is but, one uh, of the top reasons to go to T3, right?
0: Exactly. He's <laughs> you know, got the
2: cowboy hat sometimes. The cowboy hat.
0: You got to go. You got to go for that reason. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So we'll be at T three. We'll be a big sponsor of T three. We'll have our conference the week after, um, and uh, so we some exciting announcements. We'll share a roadmap with our clients, um, and then just again that activity. Just you know, it's a, a, you know just a watch and share productivity. We're going to talk about growth activities as well for the, for our clients, and we'll be talking about marketing, Johnny. So I'd love for you to I'd love for you to attend. Absolutely. So we uh, while we're on
0: the T three, we will see you there. Uh, we're going to be doing some live podcasting. So, you know, that, that's a couple months away. We should catch up again when we're all there down in That'd
2: Texas. We'll do a little follow-up to taco to, to this taco tech. <laughs> That'd be terrific to get down there. And, and speaking.
1: You
2: should, oh. should have a taco truck again. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he will.
1: <laughs> Joel, we're putting it out there in the universe. Um, speaking of Texas, I know they're very famous for barbecue. And we love barbecue, but you know, again, we always wrap with your favorite take on a taco. So Rich, tell us, you know, what's New York city have to offer? Do you have to travel somewhere to get your favorite taco? Please just don't say Taco Bell. That's all we beg for you.
2: (laughs) I do not go to Taco Bell anymore. I I will say that I did as a college-age person.
1: That's appropriate. Uh, Good Good start. I
2: I took a picture of it. It's very exciting. Now, of course, this is an interesting moment because I was going on the way to the Equinox gym. And of -hmm. course, there's a taco truck and I had to stop. And, and for me, uh, I like it spicy. I like Southwestern as well, but more spice and more spice is, is, is great. I unfortunately had a little family accident about a month ago where I, I did have a spicy taco home and, and my son decided to take a bite into my five at that time, six year old son. And uh, there was an incident. He he, he was, uh, it was a problem. You know, he so was
1: you're drinking. you're saying you're not getting the number one dad mug for father's day this year.
2: Not that day. Never since ever since it's, mm-hmm. he's been, Papa, tacos, no spice, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was beat red. He was drinking water. And so it's lasted with him. So I uh, like it spicy, chicken, beef. Um, and uh, there's lots of places in New York. Uh, so come on and visit. We'll, we, need, we need our tourists to come back here. So come on out of New York. We have all sorts of tacos.
1: I'm in, and like uh, Johnny said, we'll be at T3. So maybe we can find some tacos in Denton while we're there as well.
2: I'm sure we will. Absolutely. I'm, sure we
0: I'm excited for it. All right. Well, that does it for us today. Rich, just want to say thank you for coming on and chopping it up with us. It was a really great chat and um, we are excited to see just how the the rest of
2: this year goes for you guys after this launch and, and everything else you got coming up. Great. Thanks for having me, Tori and Johnny. It was a lot, a lot of fun and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you come in a couple months. All right. You too. Everybody listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button
0: for more fresh taco drops We'll see you next time. <laughs>